Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant. It's so good to have you here with us today. Man, I'm pumped that you're here. It means a lot. Really appreciate you. I dig you. We got a great guest for you today. They're all great guests, but today is a good one. As always, I like to think today we got my buddy uh, Steve Chu who runs the website mywifequitherjob.com, which you know immediately is just a great website, a great URL. So you're immediately intrigued. So Steve and his wife have a great story about how they started a, an online retail business selling the most random thing. It's the type of thing like I didn't even know this was a thing. Like this was a, a thing let them know there was a market for this thing. And so one of the things I really like about Steve's story is if they can make a living and make a business selling this thing that you're going to hear about that I've got you intrigued by, then surely, surely you can sell your thing. You can create your thing. You can build your business around whatever that dream is or that idea is that you have. But Steve and I, we talk a lot about how you pay attention, how you notice these types of things, how just some of the logistics of how you begin to set up a retail shop online, how he validated whether or not this thing would even sell, which in my mind, I can't imagine that it would, but apparently it does and it has and has done really, really well. So really great interview, great story. Make sure that you soak up all of the fresh baked goodness that we're going to be bringing to you today. Also, as always, make sure you download the bonus material. If you uh, haven't been doing that, we can do that within the app, wherever you're listening to this right now, just right at the top of the show notes page. There's a box with a link there that you can download the exclusive bonus content. Uh, Right after the interview, Steve and I, we hop back on the mic, talk for a few more minutes about starting an online business and getting that uh, retail shop set up. So make sure that you download that. All right, let's get to this interview. Here is my interview with Steve Chu of MyWifeQuitHerJob.com. Enjoy. What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? Today, we are joined by my friend Steve Chu, who runs the website MyWifeQuitHerJob.com. So any wives that may be listening to this are immediately intrigued. So excited to get into Steve's story and journey. So Steve, how you doing, man? Welcome to the show. Pretty good. Glad to be here. Awesome, buddy. All right. So uh, give us a snapshot. My wife quit her job, which is just an amazing, intriguing URL right out of the gate. So what is it that you guys do? Well, she did quit. So there's that. I don't know what the next iteration of it would be uh, in the story then. (laughs) My family quit their jobs. I don't know. We're not (laughs) at that point yet. But yeah, so I don't know how far back you want me to start, but there was once upon a time where my wife and I, we used to both work full-time jobs. She used to make a six-figure salary, but she really hated her job. And so every single morning, she would drag herself off to work and she would just tell me, she's like, okay, honey, I'm off to the hellhole. I call my job now. Yeah. She would do this every morning. We'd come back from work. We'd have dinner. We'd watch a little bit of TV, and then we'd just kind of rinse and repeat that cycle. And it was pretty miserable for a time. She wanted to get out of there. And originally, we wanted to start a business of some kind, but we never really got the courage or, the, or found the time to do it. Yeah. But then what ended up happening is she became pregnant with our first child, And this was like the perfect excuse for her to quit because, you know, we kind of both believe that a parent should be at home with their kids, at least in the early stages. And so we live in the Silicon Valley. And in order to get a house in a good school district, you pretty much have to have two incomes. Right. And so when she told me she was going to quit, I was really excited that we were going to have a little girl. 
But at the same time, I was terrified about the finances. And so we started brainstorming different businesses that we could do that she could actually run at home. And that's where we kind of stumbled upon e-commerce. And that's how our online store, BumblebeeLinens.com, was born. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm interested to hear more about the linen side of the story. But uh, And I think you described a place that a good majority of listeners are at. They're at a spot where it's like, I don't love my job. I don't hate my job. I just, I make a good living. I just feel trapped. I just feel stuck. So how long did she and you guys as a kind of a collectively as a, as a couple there, how long did you kind of feel in that trap spot? We were in that rut, I would say, for several years. Was there anything that you were doing to kind of dig yourself out or had you just kind of just reserved yourself to the fact that like this is the way it is? Like that's why it's work. Everybody hates it. We're supposed to be miserable. Or did you ever have any like glimmer of hope that maybe there could be something more? Here's the thing. I mean, I was pretty happy and I wasn't sure. I remember when I graduated from college, I was like, okay, wow, do I have to go to work every single day now? Because, you know, in college, you have all this free time, right? you know, all the time. And then (laughs) once you start working, it's like your whole entire day is shot and you just have the weekends. And I thought that this was just what people did, right? They graduated from college, they went to work and then that was it. And so, and you know, I was cool with it. It just so happens that my wife didn't like the place that she was going to every day. So at the time, were you enjoying your own work or were you feeling the same way? Oh, no, no. I, I love my job. <laughs> so that's what we're different. <laughs> you were the anomaly of the family. Yeah. All right. So she's going to work week after week, hating it. Is it for you, like as the husband, is it, do you feel bad for her? Do you feel, are, what can you do to help in that situation? Well, the thing is, is that when you're going to a place that you don't want to be every day, it kind of creeps into everyone's lives, right? Yeah. You're generally not happy and you feel bad also as the husband. Because you want to solve the problem. Right. That's what guys do, right? We solve problems. And, you know, so it was just tough. And we wanted to find something to get out of that rut. And we required something to kind of shock us into it. And that's kind of, you know, when she became pregnant, we were like, okay, now we definitely have to do something unless we want to sacrifice our lifestyle. You know, we had something similar in our own world. I was working at a job that I felt similar to. And, I wasn't really sure what I'd rather be doing instead, but we all, once my wife got pregnant with our first child, it kind of changes everything. So like, what is it about that? Whether it be, I've always heard from people, it's either you get pregnant or your wife gets pregnant or you lose your job or you get laid off. What is it about like those huge life situations or circumstances that causes people to just kind of step back and reevaluate everything? Yeah. So for one thing, I, I mean, I can only talk about my experience, but for one thing, I felt like I needed to start saving a lot of money and making a lot more money because now it's getting real, right? Yeah. You got to support your family. Whereas when it's just your wife and yourself, you can pretty much do whatever you want. You can live a super frugal lifestyle without really affecting anyone else. So, but when you have a child, it's like, man, you know, I got to really start supporting the family. I think you start thinking about buying a house. You start thinking about buying all the stuff, saving for college, which is a big deal also. Yep. So all these things just all come together. At least that's what happened in my mind. And I was just, you know. I was going to say that just the way you described it, I felt the same way. It's like all of a sudden it became very, very real. Like, (laughs) you know, for a while we were just, you know, just young newlyweds. And so you just feel like you're just figuring it out as we go. And all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, we got another human coming into the (laughs) picture here. And it just, it changes everything. So what would you say then if, like, do you think you would have made like the significant transitions that you've made had your wife not got pregnant? Yeah, I think uh, probably eventually we would have gone that way. It just would have taken a little bit longer. Okay. Yeah. So what about for someone who may be listening to this who's going, all right, I'm not pregnant. I'm not planning on getting pregnant or anyone near me pregnant in the foreseeable future, but I feel stuck in this thing. So is there anything that someone could do to kind of, 
I don't know, just jumpstart or kickstart themselves towards finding something that they love versus rather than just sitting back and waiting for like life to just smack them upside the head? Yeah. So if you're feeling stuck, this is what I would do. I would just pick some sort of medium, whether it be blogging, video, or audio, and I would just start putting stuff out there. Doesn't really, just something that you're passionate about. Just put something out there and develop an audience. Start collecting emails, grab an audience, and so when it comes time for you to start your business, you instantly have someone that you could tell your business about. And that's pretty much how I started my blog, My Wife Quit Her Job. I started just putting everything down about my experiences running the e-commerce store, and it turns out people were interested in it. Gotcha. All right, so what about for people that may be interested in doing something offline? Would the same principles and rules apply of just starting to write about it or journal about it or to podcast about it or do a video about it of what they're doing offline and how it translates to online? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, whatever is interesting, you should just definitely put it out on a medium that has broad reach. Gotcha. It doesn't matter what it is. Okay. Okay. So wife gets pregnant. And then what are the next steps from there? Like, what do you do that to help her start transitioning out of that job? Yeah, we just started brainstorming at that point. I mean, actively setting aside some time, you know, pretty much every day to brainstorm different ideas. And so we actually had a bunch of different ideas at the time. We were thinking about running a Kumans. We were thinking about starting some sort of dinner service where we would, you know, pack food and people would come by and just pick it up. Mm -hmm. Turns out e-commerce was the best for us because, you know, a computer server essentially runs it the entire day. And then you can pretty much pack and ship orders offline. Gotcha. Now, I think what you just described there is, is a lot of emails I get from people. And one of the things when people email me, I always ask them, you know, if you could do anything and you were guaranteed success, what would you really want to do? And people will share, you know, like three or four different, like very unrelated things. So even like you just said, we're thinking about doing a, a Kumon, which is you know, like a learning academy type thing. Yeah, it's thing. like a learning academy. Tutoring. Yes. Okay. So I've got that interest. And then I've got an interest in like making and packaging meals. And then I've got these e-commerce things. And so in a lot of ways, these are three things that are completely distinct and unrelated. So how do you, when you're kind of standing at the, at the crossroads there and you've got three or four like legitimate options and any of them could be any number of good options, how do you pick which path to choose? And then also kind of, I guess, avoid second guessing yourself, wondering if you made the right decision. So for us, the decision was pretty obvious, mainly because none of those other ideas panned out. But we wanted a way to make significant money with the least amount of energy possible. So our motivation at this point was money so that she could stay at home. And it turns out that the medium with the least amount of energy was e-commerce. So it That's sounds how like, we made our decision. So it sounds like, I mean, a big part of the decision-making process is just understanding, like, why do you want to quit your job? Why do you want to leave this? Let's say this all played out really well. Is that the kind of life you want to have. So it sounds like in some ways, as you're thinking through the, the different scenarios, like let's say this all worked out and we went down, you know, plan A, plan B or plan C, which would lead us towards the life that we want to have. Sounds like you kind of begin with the end in mind. Yeah, pretty much. The number one criteria for this business was time, right? Being able to spend more time with the children, being able to have the flexibility to just leave at any time and run errands and whatnot. And that, that was the main criteria. Gotcha. So you establish the criteria in your own minds, and then you kind of whittle it down to what's going to make the most sense, e-commerce. So at that time, were you doing anything with e-commerce, or is it just like, we like the idea of e-commerce, now we got now we got a lot of other little pieces of the puzzle to figure out? Yeah, I mean, I can just give the quick two-minute story on how we decided what to sell. Yeah. You know, when we first got married, my wife, she knew she was going to cry at the wedding, and we had spent so much on photography that we didn't want these, like, nasty tissues to be in the photos. And so she was looking for handkerchiefs. We couldn't find any and anywhere in the U.S. And so we ended up looking overseas and we ended up buying like a huge amount because we bought it straight from the manufacturer. 
And we only used a couple of these and then we sold the rest on eBay. And those moved like hotcakes. And so we were kind of just selling these on eBay for a while. And so when it came time to start the e-commerce store, we kind of got back in touch with that vendor. And that's kind of how we got our first products for the store. Was wedding handkerchiefs? Wedding handkerchiefs, yes. Completely random. I was going to say, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, you know, you can make anything into a thing, Grant. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently. And actually, my wife and I, we had an eBay store for a while. We were, don't judge me, but we were actually buying and selling like high-end name brand purses. We did really, really well. We did that. And then we did a couple of clothing brands. Like we sold really well with Abercrombie. So we'd Mm -hmm. go to the mall and buy like, it was ridiculous at the time, but we'd buy like thousands of dollars worth of Abercrombie and then we would go turn around and sell it on eBay. And we did great with it, you know, and you kind of had to know what you were buying and that you could turn around and make a profit on it. Uh, But yeah, that e-commerce, I mean, we shipped things all over the world. It It was really kind of a fun business for a while. Yeah, I did that too, actually, except with electronics. I would go on Craigslist, I would buy a bunch of stuff and then just sell off the pieces. Yeah, it was fun. Doing electronics sounds a lot more manly than the purses, for sure. (laughs) Well, I sell wedding handkerchiefs, Grant. This is true. This is true. All right, so uh, how long was it? Like, Give me kind of the timeline of you buy the wedding handkerchiefs for your own wedding before wife gets pregnant and you start actually deciding to sell them on your own. Yeah, so we didn't actually start uh, deciding to sell them until just before she became pregnant because we were thinking about starting a family at that point. So we kind of just laid the groundwork, so to speak, by selling these on eBay and just seeing if there was still demand for them. Is that what, a couple years or a year? No, 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 no. Maybe six months, I'd say. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then she just couldn't keep her hands off you. She had to have you immediately, apparently. (laughs) All right. So are you selling like a couple of them and just kind of the leftovers from the wedding and they do well? Is it like an immediate light bulb or you just kind of like, well, that was kind of interesting and then you just move on with life? Yeah. At that point, we were just trying to liquidate the inventory so we wouldn't have these sitting in our garage. Yeah. So you you sell them online, they do well, and then at what point does it come back up in the conversation that like maybe, hey, we want to do e-commerce. Are you just kicking around ideas of what you could sell? And then, hey, remember that wedding handkerchief thing? That did pretty well. What about that? How how does that come up? Yeah. So, you know, once we decided that we wanted to start a family, that's when we started kind of thinking about stuff that we could sell. And then, yeah, we thought about back in the day when we had all these handkerchiefs and they sold, why don't we give that a shot? We had some other ideas too. We were selling personalized baby bibs for a while also. How'd those do? Those did well, but they ended up being a lot of labor. And we also didn't want to get into kids' products because the requirements are just so much more stringent in terms of testing and that sort of thing. Like what do you mean? What kind of requirements? Anything that goes to a young child, you actually have to pay to get it tested for you know, hazardous materials and all that sort of thing. Gotcha. Okay, so you guys weren't wanting to just like sell a third-party product. You were wanting to create your own product? Pretty much. We wanted our own brand so that we could have control. We didn't want people comparison shopping our stuff, and we wanted to establish our own brand in the long term. Okay, so you have the idea of maybe doing wedding handkerchiefs. You've seen a track record, but are you thinking like there's enough demand there that you could make a like a full-time living of it? Because again, just outside looking in, I'm thinking wedding handkerchiefs sounds like a really, really niche product, <laughs> and there's going to be, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of weddings that happen, but a wedding's a one-time event, typically in someone's life, and a wedding handkerchief is a really niche thing for that one-time event that not everybody is going to have. So, did you think there's even enough of a market or enough of a demand there to make something like that work? Yeah. So let's break it down a little bit. So towards the end of our eBay stunt, we were probably making around five or six sales a day. Okay. And let's say the average order size is about fifty bucks. In order to make six figures, which was our goal, you only need about two hundred and sixty-seven dollars per day. 
And so that really at 50 bucks a pop, that's around six to seven orders per day. Okay. Right. And so if you figure all that in, if you can launch a store and make six orders a day, you've already pretty much reached your goal. So for you, when, when you're jumping in, it's not like, hey, let's just let's let's try wedding handkerchiefs. And it's just kind of shooting from the hip. It's kind of like we've tried this at work. Let's test a little more. And you're just it sounds like you're kind of slowly ramping into it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you're pretty much validating your niche along the way. You're talking with the customers who have bought from you, asking them, you know, is there any other sort of products that you'd be interested in, that sort of thing. Slowly, you can't just throw out a product and spend money on it because, you know, we were buying inventory. We were buying in bulk from Asia. And you can't really make that bulk order unless you know it's going to sell. After your wedding, how big was your first bulk order? Our very first bulk order, I think, was on the order of $300. Okay. How many handkerchiefs was that? That was probably... I would say 500 maybe. Okay. So, yeah. So, did you have any concerns that you could sell that? I Man, like 500 handkerchiefs is, is a lot of handkerchiefs. So, were you nervous at all that you could move those or did you feel like we've built up enough track record here that I'm, I'm pretty confident we can make something happen here? It, no, we weren't really nervous because worst case scenario, if our online store doesn't sell anything, we could just simply liquidate these on eBay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, you weren't doing these necessarily entirely through eBay. It was all through your own you guys yes. own personal site. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, because you know the eBay fees are just really high. I mean, they right. take almost fifteen percent, and you have to do all the work as well. Okay. All right. So, if it's, how are people even finding out about you? Is this just they Google wedding handkerchief? So we had a three prong strategy. One was just using pay per click services like AdWords. Uh huh. The second was my wife was putting out content, helping potential brides with their weddings. And just writing crafts. She's really into arts and crafts, so she'd write these tutorials on how to make stuff using the products that we sell. Okay. And then the third prong was reaching out to event planners and wedding planners so that they would buy in bulk from us for their clients. Which of these were gaining you the most traction? They all ended up kicking in at different times, right? So the pay-per-click services were getting instant sales, and that was good because it kept us going that the idea was valid. And then the SEO stuff didn't kick in until six months later. And that was pretty huge because that was just free traffic and free sales. And the event planners kicked in kind of later on. We started reaching out once we had our product portfolio set. And those guys were responsible for some of the bulk sales that got us to our six-figure goal in a year. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Here's one of the questions that comes to mind, though, is I got to assume that you guys are – you love your company. You love what you're doing. But like, if you could choose any product in the world to sell – can't imagine it would be wedding handkerchiefs. Am I wrong? <laughs> well, you know, I happen to love handkerchiefs, Grant. No, no, actually, yeah, no, I have no interest. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know where you're going with this question, but for me, the fun of it is actually running the business. Okay. It could be any product at all. There's a lot of interesting things about just human psychology and what makes a person buy that's very interesting to me. Interesting. Okay. So what I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, a lot of times people would promote, and I, I think I would too, is like you need to have some level of passion about what it is that you're doing. Because if you're promoting something or selling something, whether it's a product or a service, or even you're doing some type of work that you don't really believe in, and you're not really, you know, it doesn't really do anything for you or doesn't really amp you up, then it seems like you could mentally fizzle out on it. But it sounds like for you, it wasn't necessarily the item that you're selling or the product that you're selling as much as the process and almost the kind of the game of it, of selling it. Yeah, so here's the thing, you know, with that online store, our goal was money. Yeah. And so for me, my passion product came a little bit later, which was the blog, right? I enjoy reaching out to people, meeting people like yourself. You know, we had just different goals at different times. And that goal was just so my wife could stay at home. But then I just turned out starting to like running the business because of the aspects that I mentioned earlier. So within the first full year of selling wedding handkerchiefs, you guys made a six-figure income? 
That's correct. That's insane. <laughs> you just, you, that's why this is such an interesting story to me is you would never imagine something like wedding handkerchiefs. Exactly. I mean, there's lots of ways to estimate demand. Like you can use keyword tools and figure out what people are searching for. But yeah, the great thing about an online store is, you know, that's one product category. And the way you expand is you can expand into other product categories as well. And it's just all cumulative over time. So I assume at this point you are, you know, the business is going well. Wife has quit her job. When did your site, the mywifeputterjob.com, start? I assume people just start asking you about it like, okay, tell me more about this business that you're doing. What's your secret recipe? What's your secret sauce here? How did that come to be? Yeah, so the funny thing is, uh, you know, most people have the same reaction you did. What? You made six figures, you know, selling wedding handkerchiefs? Right. And people started asking me all these questions. And so pretty much after that first year, I decided to just document all that stuff on a blog. Every single painful aspect of starting the online store, getting inventory from Asia, all that stuff. And it turns out people were interested in reading that stuff. And so I started gathering emails. And soon I was starting to get demands on people asking me to train them to start their own online stores. And so that's kind of how I, once I started blogging for a while, I started a training class in 2011. So it sounds like your wife is more into the like the wedding handkerchiefs and just the wedding world in general, and you're just more into the business side of it. And this, so this was kind of your outlet to be able to help with the contribute to the picture of what you guys were doing. Yeah. So the way it works is, and I don't necessarily advise everyone go out and work with their wives because things can get a little scary, but we have very specific duties. So my wife is like more of the operations person and the product person. I'm pretty much the tech and the marketing tech person. And so that works very well for us. It sounds like today they're two totally separate businesses. So you've got the, the wedding linen and then you've got the RGMV. What's the name of it you said? The wedding, oh, the wedding uh, bumblebeelinens.com. Where does the bumblebee come from? Oh, we're, okay. So the backstory for that is my wife got laser eye surgery a long time ago. Uh-huh. And she had to wear these like eye patches, I guess, on her eyes, both yeah. eyes. Yeah. They look like bumblebees. And so I called her bumblebee for the longest time. <laughs> That's the origin of the name. So it's not, you know, sometimes when we think of like names, we think like there's amazing uh, brainstorming session and we land on this one thing, but it's like, nah, this is just a little pet name. I used to call her basically to make fun of her and uh, that, that became our company name. That's awesome. All right. So today they're basically run as two separate businesses. I don't know if yeah, they've got yeah. some crossover there, but they're separate things. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay. So for someone that may be listening to this going, okay, I'm intrigued by maybe starting an online business. Maybe they've got a product. Maybe they have an, at least an idea. Like, What are some of the first steps to kind of get going on creating something online? Well, the first steps are just getting an idea of what the demand is going to be and then just validating the idea just to see if people are actually going to be interested in it. So are we talking about in the context of e-commerce or info or blog? Yeah, I would, no, I'd say in the e-commerce world, okay. of if I've got a physical product that I'm going to have to ship to someone, okay. again, whether I'm doing it through my own site or I'm doing it through like a fulfillment by Amazon or an eBay or something, I've got something that I want to sell. Like where do I even begin to find if there's demand there and find people that would be interested in buying it? Yes. Okay. So there's many ways to do this. So one, as I mentioned earlier, was keyword research. You can get an idea of how many people are searching for the products or product categories that you're looking for and just make a couple of estimates. You can estimate conversion rate between 1% to 3% and a click-through rate just to get an idea of what your revenues are going to be. You can also look on eBay at the completed listings. eBay is an open book. You can find out exactly at what frequency things are selling. You can also look on Amazon. And I don't know if you guys have ever noticed this, but under Amazon, you can look under best sellers. Mm-hmm. Or in, under each individual product, you can actually scroll down. And there's actually a seller rank there too, where you can kind of get an idea of how well a particular item is selling. And then you can also look on Etsy. Etsy is also an open book. You can go in and look at each vendor and find out what 
frequency each one of their products are selling as well. Interesting. So I know we did the same thing with eBay when we got started was just going to their completed listings or sold items. And you could see everything that was not just like lists, but things that were actually selling and how much they were selling for and how many bids they had or how quickly mm-hmm. they had sold if it was just a fixed price listing. And just some of those little things where you can start to at least get a feel like either this is moving or this isn't. So what did you do like in your case where in some ways, it's your, I don't know, is there a huge market? Like, are there a lot of other people selling wedding handkerchiefs? Or is this something where you're kind of creating a new market? There were a couple of other players. They didn't market it as wedding handkerchiefs. They just marketed it as handkerchiefs. And so here's one of the keys, right? For our business, you know, there were a couple players selling handkerchiefs, but they weren't like positioning it to a, a certain customer in mind. Whereas for us, we had a target customer in mind, which was brides. And so all of our marketing collateral was targeted towards weddings. And so naturally, you know, when you were a bride, you would come and you go, oh, hey, I didn't think about this. I don't want nasty tissues in my photos. And so they would buy from us because all of our product copy was tailored towards them. And so what we started doing later also is we, these handkerchiefs, they're for multiple uses, right? So we started tailoring them towards funerals, sororities, and all sorts of things. It's just all in the product copy and positioning it towards a target customer that you have in your mind. Gotcha. So rather than just trying to be all things to all people, we're really, really specific. And even as you're describing it, I mean, my initial reaction, I assume a lot of people's initial reaction is just selling a handkerchief <laughs> sounds niche enough, but you're taking that a step further and going, no, no, we're not just selling a handkerchief to anybody for you know, anything like this is for brides and this is their specific purpose that they, a specific need that they have for this handkerchief. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, you know, we sold a lot of stuff on eBay and so that was kind of our validation strategy, but there's lots of ways to figure out whether something's going to sell. So let's say you have a product that you're developing and it's pretty novel. I would just throw up a landing page and drive people through it, whether it be through Facebook ads or AdWords and just start gathering emails so that when it's time for you to launch your actual product, you actually have an audience already of people to launch your product to. How long should you be trying a product before you have an idea if it's going to work or not? So it sounds like with the handkerchief, even though it's a pretty niche thing, it sounds like it was it clicked right away, but are there other products that you guys have developed along the way that haven't worked out as well? Well, uh, you know, in the beginning when we were importing, I actually have a garage full of junk that uh, <laughs> went unsold <laughs> because we didn't do the validation process. Cool. But so these days, we pretty much test everything out in some way. Either we pull the people who have already bought from us or we try to sell a few things on eBay or we'll list it on Amazon. So that doesn't happen to us anymore, but before it, it used to happen all the time because we weren't doing a good job validating. What kind of products did you try selling before that just weren't working for you that you, you've got a garage full of? <laughs> we got these hangers. It's kind of random for kids. Hangers have, for kids? And they have these little embroidered designs. They're soft on them. It turns out those are a pain in the butt to sell and, and market. <laughs> yeah, we had a whole garage full of baby bibs. <laughs> and so it got to the point where you know I'd wear a bib at dinner just because you had so many of these things instead of using a napkin. <laughs> and then you know everyone in the family was required to use a bib you yeah, know, instead yeah. of a napkin. You got to so. use them up somehow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got some other stuff. I mean, we've been doing this since 2007, and uh, I think we've pretty much cleared everything out or donated everything by now. Did you feel like whenever you, like when you start a product now, do you, you feel like you can do some testing, but in some ways, you just have to try it? You don't really know how it's going to react or respond to the market until you actually put it out there? Yeah, I mean, there's different leaps of faith, right? So in terms of a product category, you can get feedback on whether people are going to buy that. But when it comes down to it, there's a lot of little details on the design. So for example, we're starting to sell aprons now. And there's obviously a lot of details in the design of an apron. 
And sometimes you can't test everything and you just have to put it out there and just see what sells. And so you end up, what you do is you don't make a whole bunch of each different variety. You make a small amount, figure out what sells, and then buy in bulk from the ones that do sell. Interesting. All right. This is all intriguing stuff here. So what else within the Bumblebee linen are you guys selling? So you're starting to do aprons. What else do you sell? We sell a lot of stuff at this point. So we sell napkins to event planners. We sell you know, personalized linen towels, personalized napkins. We sell lace parasols. We sell aprons. Yeah, I mean, but our core product is still handkerchiefs. All right. That's where the main bread and butter for you. That's the main bread and butter, yeah. Wow. Are you guys shipping these yourselves? Do you have a team now at this point, a staff that handles a lot of it? Do you outsource yeah, yeah. it? So we have, yeah, we have an office space and we have a couple of employees. They pack and ship orders, answer phone calls and that sort of thing. Wow. All right, I got a couple other questions, but we're going to save those for the bonus round. One of the things I'm wondering about, just to tease people here, is I'm wondering about like whenever it comes to something, whenever you're starting to sell a product online and you know that there's other people that are selling that, how do you differentiate yourself? And I don't think this is exclusive to just selling a product, but any of us that are doing something online or offline, there's always going to be competition. So how do you differentiate that? So I'm gonna let you chew on that. We'll talk about that in the bonus round there. So Steve, if we want to find out a little bit more about you guys and the linens and your story and journey, uh, where can we go? Yeah, so uh, my blog is located at mywifequitterjob.com. I also run a training course on e-commerce at profitableonlinestore.com. And if you are getting married and you know you're going to cry, I'll hook you up at bumblebeelinens.com. <laughs> we'll ask for the how'd you get into that hookup discount there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nice. All right, man. Good talking to you. Appreciate that. We'll make sure we send people and put those links in the show notes and send people to those sites to, to check that stuff out. And uh, we will be coming right back at you in the bonus round. So we'll see you over there, Steve. Sounds good, Grant. All right, there you go, my friends. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Steve Chu of MyWifeQuitHerJob.com. Hey, as always, feel free to download the uh, bonus exclusive content where Steve and I, we hop back on the mic for a few more minutes. You can download that from the show notes page on the website or just straight from your phone. If you're listening to this on your phone or mobile device right now, you don't need to go to your computer. You can just download it straight to your phone right there. You can do that within the show notes right at the top. There's a box that says uh, to download this bonus exclusive content. So make sure you do that. Hey, as always, feel free to email me, grantograndbalden.com. Let me know what you're chewing on or wrestling with, anything that I can do for you. Would love to hear from you. So that wraps up this episode, just another episode of this beautiful show. And hey, I hope you do this. You know, one thing we talk a lot about on this show is to, I hope that they're encouraging these episodes and these interviews are inspiring to you. They, they get you thinking. But listen, I don't want you to just think. I don't want you just, it's easy to get just stuck in that rut where you're just, you're pondering, you're thinking, you're kicking things around and you don't actually do anything. Listen, I don't want you to do that. I want you to begin to take action. I want you to take some steps. I want you to begin moving forward with the kind of life that you want to have for yourself. I'm not just talking about it, not just pondering it, but actually doing it. So Steve has a, a great story there. hope you were inspired and encouraged by it, but I hope more than that, I hope you actually take action and do something. I believe in you. I'm for you. I'm cheering for you. And I know that you can do this. You're awesome. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.